Welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, How Business Works, brought to you by the American Business Council. This is a bi-weekly program where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works with a deep dive into stories that we have around different sectors. My name is Margaret O'Leary, and I'm your host for the show. Recently, the American Business Council Nigeria celebrated the International Women's Day event and showcased great leadership success stories. And, you know, interestingly, these were women. And these esteemed women broke down different ways they, 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 they were able to navigate the various challenges they had at work and how they became great leaders in their various sectors. This was what happened. Yeah, hello everyone and welcome to uh, today's um, International Women's Day event uh, from the American Business Council. Uh, today we will be showcasing great leaders. First of all, I would want to emphasize great leaders before I emphasize the fact that um, they are females. Uh, great leaders doing great jobs in the various sectors that they exist. And so um, I just want to say that I'm, I'm standing in for the host. So um, at some point you would see me um, on the panel and at some point you'd see me um, discussing with our, our dear um, moderator of the, for this event. And so um, our moderator is Mimi White. Um, she, she is uh, uh, the affiliate member of the American Business Council our organization. Uh, she's in the business of special education and creating awareness for uh, uh, special education uh, in Nigeria and com now uh, completing a doctoral uh, work uh, in, in that area, especially as it impacts um, Nigerian children. So uh, she will get back when I think her um, audio is ready. But without wasting more time, I would just um, like to introduce um, our panelists for today. I would start with, um, in no other of, uh, alphabetical order or, or importance, but really just to uh, share the perspectives of, of this group of men. I would like to introduce to you uh, Ifi Kojo. Uh, Ifi Kojo is the um, country uh, director, the, the country manager for, uh, for HP um, Selection. And she's been in this organization for well over 18 years. Um, but what makes it stand out beyond you know, the fact that she, she is a techie uh, is also that she's a great writer and she's a great uh, speaker and motivator. So we, we gain a lot from Ify as we move on. And uh, we have, again, we, we are Onyeche uh, Tifashi, and this time I'm not going to turn the name the other way around. This is always like, um, like I don't know, you know, I, I was Tifashi, and it's like, oh my goodness, I just made a mistake. So yes, Onyeche has been a great inspiration, not just to um, other women, but interestingly to me. Um, I met her when she was uh, the uh, vice chair of the ESG, and then eventually as the CEO of um, Simons in. Uh, Nigeria before she now has moved in a space that's very exciting and very unusual to find a woman. I, I'm not meant to say this, but yes, but this she is the vice president for um, uh, energy uh, in the um, in in Simon's uh, in in, in uh, as we speak today. And so we have um, also um, with us here um, we have Vanessa. And next, Vanessa, if I mispronounce your surname, please pardon me, uh, Rooks. Um, so, <laughs> now, Vanessa, before two minutes before we started, I've been speaking a lot of French with uh, someone else I would like to introduce. And I told them that I, I learned so much French that I had not learned in a while. And uh, so, Vanessa is the director for um, West Africa Johnson & Johnson for medical uh, devices. Um, I've seen, I've met her um, both at her, uh, uh, you know, virtually first, and then recently, just last week, we had a meeting, and I will tell you, there's some elegance around, um, you know, the way she she carries herself and the fact that she is a polyglot. I thought she just was only French, but I realized she she had other great languages in her kitty. And, uh, and so we move on to uh, uh, Fumi Omo. So Fumi, um, again, uh, I have uh, interviewed Fumi in our, uh, in our podcast. 
Fumi is one great in the space that women, um, in the space that women are not seen mostly insurance because sometimes people don't find it sexy enough. Um, but it is one um, area that she's been uh, showing her expertise and, and also not just that, she's also um, very much into uh, philanthropy, into mentorship, and she's been doing a lot of work supporting um, um, girls and, and, and uh, female students through university. I mean, this is just one drop in the ocean of a lot of things that Fumi has her hands uh, into. And then we, we have Iriti Samuel Gugu. And now Iriti is the MD CEO of City, City uh, Bank in Nigeria. Iriti um, heads, obviously, the organization, but also she is in the area of uh, leading the organization in um, issues concerning diversity. And so, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm speaking extempore. So, pardon me if I don't see all the things that are written, all the good things that are written in the in my in my, in my paper, right? <laughs> so, um, and then lastly, uh, I hope I'm not missing anyone out. But I have Reem. Now, Reem is very interesting to speak with. I I met Link Reem on LinkedIn. You won't believe it. And um, this was after we had um, had done some work on franchising, and then she reached out to me. I was like, oh, "Who is this other person who's so passionate about franchising in Africa?" That, that that's not me. And we, and we and we connected on the phone and spoke for over one hour. And I was like, you know, discovered again that we had other commonalities. Um, Rim is a the vice um, president of the American Chamber of Commerce in Tunisia. And so, um, yeah, and, and the good thing about the, the, this uh, team that we have here, uh, the, you know, people know people, school classmates have, you know, from all classmates and, you know, French speakers. And there is this, uh, you know, um, camaraderie that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing here that I'm very excited about. And so I would start off by asking and just um, me just me raise your hands if I'm good to run away and, you know, be at the vaccine or you want me to help you um, run your show. Okay, you're good. So I leave you. Shoot. Yes, I wanted to introduce you because um, I know you can't introduce yourself. So if you don't mind, I would like to introduce you as well. Um, so uh, we have um, Mrs. Uh, Margaret O'Leary. She she tells me all the time, don't call her Mrs. O'Leary to call her Margaret. So I'm going to call her Margaret today um, from the American Business Council. She is the CEO and ES of American Business Council. And you guys pretty much know uh, Margaret. She has over 25 years in food and in the pharma space. And um, she may chip in as we move through the event as she shared earlier. But as we move on right now, we just wanna go into the questions for today for the panelists. And um, what I'm going to do is provide five minutes for each panelist to discuss the first question. And we just wanna know how you found yourself in the space that you're operating in and um, also share what you found most interesting about your field. Once you started in it, so I wanted to first just start with um, Eredi, and um, when your five minutes is up, I'll just raise my hand. I won't interrupt so that you can just conclude, and then we can move on to the next panelist. Thank you very much, Mimi, and it's wonderful to be on such an esteemed panel. Thank you very much for the invite. So I've worked at City for thirty-four years, and have done eleven roles, and um, those eleven roles have been across three countries. Each of those countries I've worked in, Nigeria, South Africa, and Nigeria, I've worked in twice. My roles have ranged from relationship management to operations to product management, and they've also been across country, cluster, and um, 55 countries, which is um, the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region. So I guess um, I came back to Nigeria via the two other countries that uh, I worked in. I started my career in Nigeria uh, 34 years ago, uh, came back in 2005, and then back again um, in 2020. So several countries, different roles, and um, many different types of um, exposure within city. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I wanted to also say, just to remind all our viewers, 
that um, Mrs. Oredi is the MD CEO of Citibank Nigeria. So I wanted to move on now to um, Fumi Omo. Um, she's the Managing Director of Enterprise Life Nigeria. Um, if you could please share with us, like the question again is asking, how did you find yourself in the space that you're operating in? And what do you find most interesting about your field? Okay, thank you, Mimi. Thank you for having me. And um, I say good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I say that I find myself in this space um, more like by accident. And when people ask me, how did you get into this space? I keep saying by accident. Down the line, when I was going into the university, I wanted to study accounting. But for some reason, um, I found myself in insurance. And I thought, you know what? I will start off with insurance and down the line, um, cross over to accounting. But after my first year in the university, I realized that insurance was quite exciting and something I would um, go with. And so I ended up graduating, studying insurance. And so I start work. Um, I start work um, at a time when most colleagues wanted to go abroad and when most colleagues wanted, most classmates wanted to do something else. And I at first wanted to join the bandwagon, but for some reason, through the counsel of my late father, um, he was more like, why don't you start work um, in insurance? And if you don't like it, you can always get another job or change careers. So we are 28 plus years into insurance and that's what I've done all my life. Um, ask me what I think um, I've been able to do. I've been able to impact. Um, I'm currently the managing director, the pioneer managing director of Enterprise Life that has its heritage in Ghana. I pioneered the establishment of the entity in Nigeria. And before then, I was the managing director of African Alliance, a company I'd worked in for 25 years and I'd occupied various roles. So um, in terms of impact, I believe that um, I've gone through a path that um, most people find challenging and difficult, male but somehow I've been able to carry out, a, a carve out a niche for myself. In being able to carve out a niche for myself, especially for the girl child, I've got to be able to impact and mentor such that the road, the mistakes and the pitfalls I've made, I'm also able to guide people not to make such mistakes and not to go into such pitfalls. So that's for me or more for you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. So let's move on to our next panelist, Ifni Kojo, the country manager of Nigeria HP Enterprise, operated by Selectium. Thank you so much, Amy, and thank you, everyone. Um, like myself, too, I think that getting to where I am today, um, it was a piece of chance. Um, starting school as a, as a child, I have very good, and I loved my teachers, and they were my role models. So my dream was to be a lecturer. That's what I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to do. So. After my first degree, second degree, I went straight into school. You know, state university, I would like to be told on him, and uh, got employed in the state university, worked with them, did so well, loved it, connected with the student. I thought I was on my way, picked up my PhD, I formed. Um, only for six months, one year, two years running, I wasn't confirmed. And escalation started, and I was told in no certain terms that um, either I am an indigenous or something of the other gender to be able to continue with them. So I guess I was um, in the right place at the wrong time. So uh, I was encouraged by a consultant who was working with me at that time to leave, and he kept telling me. You have, you've got it. You can relate with people. You can talk so well and you can influence people. I think that you're very good in sales. You should do sales. And it didn't ring a bell because I, I did industrial chemistry up to master's level. I was a pure science student. So how could I shift straight from science to sales? My parents, my, my family would practically kill me. Yes. They gave me the shots and... Um, I, I went into sales, I went into technology sales. Again, it was more um, into what I could relate with, which was science. And here I am today, uh, country manager for 
um, a good organization, a very strong uh, technology organization. What do I find so very interesting in what I do today? I love the people. Um, over time, I'm a people person. I relate very well with people. So I could actually influence them and I could keep value. I love technology. And most importantly, I love the economics that uh, comes with the results and the outcome that it gives me. Okay. And my story um, and how I started has actually enabled me to look people in the eyes, the girl child today, and say, you know what? You can do it. Don't like. Don't allow people dump their fears on you. If they don't believe you, it's okay. But if you believe yourself, go for it. And that's it. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, next up on our roster is Odiechi Tefasi, the VP of Strategy, Technology, and Innovation, Industrial Application Division of Siemens Energy. Hello, everyone. Um, uh, really a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Odieche Tefashe. I know it's a mouthful for some of us. <laughs> As uh, Margaret said, my first name is Odieche. So how I'm, I'm an engineer. I, I studied engineering for both my first and second degrees and how I found myself in the engineering thing. I'm, I'm one of those girls that their dad studied engineering and then they found themselves coincidentally. And yes, not coincidentally, my dad had a big push in that direction. Lots of suggestions and nudging. And that's how I found myself in engineering and specifically in the electrical field, because uh, that was also a suggestion from my dear father. And sometimes we have the debates because I wanted to study architecture. My, I, I was very good in maths, in technical drawing, in arts, in secondary school. And uh, he, he was convinced there was no money in architecture. So um, he kindly nudged me into the electrical engineering field. And, and now that I've made a success of my of my uh, in the engineering field he's always quick to remind me that he made the right decision however i am convinced i would have done well in whatever i had done if i had done what i wanted to do and that is true for so many women um so i started as an engineer um after completing my degrees in the in the uk uh, in siemens um in siemens power transmission and distribution i worked with them for a number of years in, in Germany, in the UK, in the US, and returned to Nigeria, where I coincidentally worked with for Accenture for three years. Um, but I must say, I continued my career in Siemens after those three years, and I have now worked uh, for my 21-year career. I've worked for 17, 18 years with Siemens. And what has been exciting during that time is, yes, I've always been a minority, either in the beginning, the younger one or the a person of color or uh, a female, um, but I found myself always able to in interact with people on a level playing field and make an impact. I think that has been the exciting thing about my job, but also working in the energy field, you always feel you're able to make impact for society or industry or whatever uh, market you're dealing with, because power is so fundamental to how we how we live our lives and how countries um, flourish and grow. And it has such an impact on the economy. So I think one of the things I was so excited about working in Nigeria was being able to establish the presidential power initiative at that time, coming up with an idea I was so passionate about creating power for all in Nigeria. And I'm happy the project has taken off, even though I'm not still with Siemens Energy Nigeria, but of course, always looking forward at what can we, as many of my fellow panelists have said, what impact can we create for our environment? Of course, starting with young girls, but also generally for, for all Africans so we can make an impact on the global footprint. But yeah, so very excited to be here and to speak to speak more about what um about female um gender diversity and other topics that relate to International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And moving on now to Vanessa Florence Rooks, the West Africa Director for Johnson & Johnson Middle East, FC LLC. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for having me today in this panel. So, as you mentioned, I am the, the West African Director for Johnson & Johnson MedTech. I'm French and Gabonese. I'm based in Ghana, Accra, and actually I am in Lagos. So, um, first of all, I think that uh, I've heard all my 
you know, my colleagues in this panel talking about the influence of, uh, of uh, the father, the influence of the family. So I would like also to um, say that uh, I want to thank my parents because of their role, their support, you know, they, they believe in my dreams. I remember when I was young, a young girl, I was, you know, I was saying that I want to travel the world, I want to discover the world, I want to speak many languages, I want to work for an organization like uh, the United Nations, because for me it was, you know, representing, you know, this kind of, um, I'm a very curious person and uh, working for such a kind of organization will help me to discover new cultures, new people and using the, the different language that I have learned uh, will help me also to navigate into into uh, this uh, this world. So I want to really thank them for the support they they give me they give to me and uh, they believe in my dream and here I am I'm working for an international organization use, uh, using English as the main language in um, on a daily basis. I'm based in Ghana, as I said earlier. And uh, prior uh, that uh, experience, I work for several multinationals. I work for Amadeus IT Group, Air France in the tourism industry. I work for Intertech. I work for uh, also government, US Embassy in Gabon, and also for the presidency of Gabon. And I have also an entrepreneurial background, an entrepreneurial experience in France. So why I'm here at Johnson & Johnson, you, everybody asks me the question on a, on a daily basis, you don't have any, any medical background. I want to thank Johnson & Johnson to have put um, you know, the trust on me and believing that uh, I can have an impact uh, on um, uh, saving, you know, patient lives, because this is the aim of the company. The company is driven by uh, by what we call the credo. It's a, a really guidance, and the first, you know, the aim is to save lives. So for me, it's a purpose. So I embrace that purpose, and I'm really, really grateful to work for such an organization because I find myself in the purpose and. Uh, Coming from the COVID, the COVID area, when uh, I was traveling, I was working for the travel industry for Amadeus IT Group. We've seen, you know, uh, our activities going down, the world shut down, our activity went to zero and then to negative trends, and then we realized that we should have uh, worked on something, you know, to. Uh, to start back the activity. So I was involved in a project called the um, uh, Safe Travel Initiative, which was uh, a project, you know, to um, uh, to consider the, the closing of borders, to consider the COVID text, the vaccination, you know, cards, to implement them to into the system, into the platform to restart the travel uh, industry. And then, Working for uh, this initiative, I was scrutinized, you know, the healthcare sector. I was scrutinized this uh, sector and guess where I am now? <laughs> Working for a manufacturer of vaccines. So that is, you know, that is, uh, I think, an accomplishment and I'm really, really glad to participate in that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, Vanessa. And um, I appreciate um, all the, pa the passionate re responses from all of you guys. Um, I feel like everyone who is um, a guest on this event is going to benefit from all the information that you guys are offering us through your experiences. So last but not least um, is Rim Mayari. She's the founder and CEO of Agora International. Hello, good afternoon, ladies. Um, so it's an interesting question why I am here with you. I think I'm here because I have a terrible personality and it all started in my early years when I wouldn't take no for an answer. And, and, and frankly, everyone was thinking and thanking their parents. And I have to truly thank my father because 
he had three daughters for so many years, and then 10 years after I was born, and I'm the latest, um, I'm the third, he had a son, and everyone was happy for him being Arab and Tunisian, and he said, no, I'm, I was really happy having three girls, you know, I, I like daughters, they're really cute, and they like their father. And, and this is just to tell you that my father has been extremely supportive of my bad personality, and he always said, you know, don't let people push you down, don't let people tell you what you have to do, don't let people force you to, you know, kiss them or hug them if you don't want to, your family. And it all my education started like this. So if you don't want somebody to hug you, <laughs> don't do it, you know, just don't hug them. And, and then when I remember when I had my high school degree, he pushed me out of the door and uh, sent me to Quebec, Canada. And he said, my, my dear, you know, if you stay in Tunisia, have, you know, just like a regular degree, you probably better be an administrative assistant to start with. So just go to Canada, it's your opportunity. And then when I had my degree, he said, go to the US, go to New York, you know, you can do your MBA there. Don't be afraid, you're gonna make it. I know you're gonna make it. And, and so it was, it was really strange to have this Tunisian Arab daddy who was pushing all the time his daughter and all my sisters, as a matter of fact, to go uh, abroad, international, study on our own, live on our own, and kept saying, I trust my girls, I have no issue with them. So when I came back to Tunisia, because you know that I had that phone call of, oh, how are you doing? How is your job in New York? No, you have to come back to Tunisia. No, let's say you had enough fun. <laughs> You're still my daughter and I want you back. And, and I remember having always that so terrible personality. You know, it never changed. Once you have it, you're born with it. So I, I think I function very bad in a big corporate system. I, I don't like to have a boss and be told what I should do. So I started my own company. I was, I was fairly young and I was actually, it, it all happened by chance. But anyway, so I started very young and, and he kept saying, you can do it. Don't worry. So then I started a trading company and he said, you're going to do it. You're going to have fun. And then I started a manufacturing company and I was manufacturing candies and he was supportive. He'd come to the factory every morning with me because by that time he was retired and he said, oh, I love your candies. They're great, blah, blah, blah. So he was very supportive. And I always felt that I had no boundaries because the way he saw me. Let me think. I sent quite a few more. Oh. I'm sorry. So the way he saw me was, I, I was reflecting myself in his eyes, never had boundaries. Anyway, with the things of life, I came back to consulting and I went into franchising right after the revolution because before the revolution, it was only the president and the presidential family who could get into that sector. So basically 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when I started into franchising, there was nobody in that space and I, I, you know, I, I did pretty well. I worked with KFC, Papa John's, Chili's, Nike, Skechers, Century 21, all the big brands. I was the negotiator. Uh, I brought them to Tunisia. I also brought some of them to France. I worked in Senegal with Gemo. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. Now my biggest market is Libya, where they have only men working space. And, and they hired me, I, I have to say a very big group hired me to bring them franchise and negotiate on their behalf. So it's, it's, uh, it's very empowering for me and I'm very proud of what I'm doing. Um, so my, my company now is doing well and, and I'm hoping to expand all over Africa. And that's why I was so interested with Margaret having her, having her event on, on franchising. So for me, it's no boundaries. I have two daughters and I'm planning to raise them exactly the same way I was raised, especially my eight years old. She has a terrible personality and she just wants to be president. She's now thinking how she can do business and who's going to vote for her. So she's scaring me a little bit. But I think she's, you know, I think she, she deserves to be where she is. Thank you so much for listening to me. So much for sharing. So we're moving on to our next question. Um, this next question is going to be for Iredi and um, Onyechi. Um, can you guys please share with us a project or projects that defined your career? Um, um, with whoever wants to start can go first. Okay. I think for me, my defining moment was when I 
came back to Nigeria in 2004, 2005. And that was at the beginning of the payment systems transformation. And I was very fortunate to be um, asked by the central bank, the director of payments at the time, to suggest approaches in terms of how Nigeria can transform its payment system. I had no idea then in 2005 that what I was working on and the team that I helped to assemble and also bring in a, a consultant from the UK at the time was the beginnings of what we now see in terms of how our payment systems have been completely digitized. It was called the Payment System um, Project 2010. It then went on to 2020 and now it's 2030. So all the advances that we see in terms of being able to use a card, being able to make real-time payments, being able to do e-commerce payments, all the convenience and the whole dematerialization of cash, that was the beginning of that exercise. And part of what we did was even reprice electronic payments. Um, and they were at Valorum, which was a percentage of uh, the volume before. And part of what we did was revise the pricing to make sure it was just a flat fee. So just by um, taking a call from the um, uh, a central bank, uh, senior person at central bank, working with them in collaboration to attain the vision that was um, uh, only five years out. Um, I was very proud that all the work that I did and um, the team that I worked with both at the central bank and in the industry is, is responsible for what we see today in terms of the very convenient payment system we have. There was a time if you needed to buy a car in Nigeria in the early 2000s, you needed cash or a draft. And now there's, um, you know, people hardly use checks because you have ATMs, you have financial inclusion, you have all of these uh, automated electronic means of operation. And that has set the foundation for open banking, which is democratization of your own data and being able to port your data around the banking system. So it gives me a great sense of joy coming back to Nigeria as I did to become CEO in 2020, that a lot of that groundwork has really been transformation. Um, and it was a great time because with COVID and everything going automated, had we not had that approach to work, we would not have, um, thank you, we would not have been able to uh, um, deal with um, uh, COVID. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was a, quite an insightful story. Um, Oniechi, are you ready to share? Please? Yes, I am. And thanks. Uh, thanks very much. Ureti. almost on similar lines, but I had mentioned earlier about the, um, about returning to Nigeria after my career in the UK and Germany and coming back to Nigeria in 2000, 2006 and realizing I wanted to work for Siemens, but it wasn't the kind of company that I looked up to then, at least our branch in Nigeria. There was so much, there was still a sort of um, a bit of discrimination towards Nigerians. The, con the pay for foreigners was much better than Nigerians and the conditions the Nigerians worked on, there, I mean, there, were, there were even things like separate canteens. And I saw that 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 situation and said, I'm not gonna work for this company, even though I was given a quite a, an attractive offer. I started working with Accenture. After working with Accenture for about three years, I realized, well, my core is engineering. I want to go back to engineering. I don't want to become a general um, a sort of advisory uh, consultant um, um, professionally. And at that time, I was also headhunted again by a new leadership within, within um, Siemens. And one of the first things I came back when I came back into Siemens was to proliferate uh, the success we had through local companies. So I believe so strongly in localization and started to look for local companies that could build our products or assemble them or train on them. And um, and through that, started to see the opportunity that, that, um, that was evident or the opportunity to really develop Nigeria economically and develop our own electrification infrastructure through local, um, through local businesses. So it started to create a vision in me of uh, a new Nigeria with a comp comprehensive power landscape, both from the generation and transmission and distribution side. And when I took over as CEO in 2014, that was something I started to try to articulate 
leveraging the capabilities or the company and competencies we had within Siemens, Siemens at the time. So I would say it took a lot of leadership skill because I had to convince people within the company on how could we design this infrastructure or this system within Nigeria where there's sufficient transmission, distribution, and generation infrastructure. And there are people locally who are also supporting that infrastructure. So also training systems behind it, um, service systems behind it, companies that can provide uh, input services and uh, solutions as well, support developing this, this grand idea. And I would say I found, started to, to create some trust and some, some um, relationships within the company where people also jointly believed in this vision. And when our country, our company CEO at the time visited Nigeria, he entered into an agreement with Buhari that we would replicate the success we had delivered in Egypt in Nigeria as well. And that was also prompted by conversations that I had had with him and and um, and he really put, um, he put all his trust in me in putting this together, and, and that was I would say is my is the project that really in I would say I, where I left a mark, and it it, it was interesting because I had to work with government stakeholders and really convince them on the possibility of this project becoming a reality. Also, in, I would even say at times faced more resistance internally because the typical German wants to see things done logically. And trying to get them to see as well how this could be done in quite a, a um, an unpredictable terrain. Um, also getting the the also getting the logistics, the partners for logistics, the partners to build this project out was also quite a feat. But I think what it taught me was uh, that people really want to do good worldwide, no matter the race or color. And what we're struggling with when it comes to, for example, if I look at the Ukraine crisis and and how it's play, panning out. What, it, what we're struggling with is always um, the story people tell tell for themselves or other people tell for you. And what is important is that we as Nigerians and as women are able to speak and define our own story. And just like, um, just as uh, Ereti said, she came in and people believed and trusted in her and came behind her to develop this infra payment infrastructure. And I think that was the success story for the project, being able to give this um, vision of a different Nigeria that could really uh, deliver this project and roll it sustainably. So um, when I, I had handed this project over to my successor on, um, and he's now been able to take it to the point of the project starting, but my hope is that it also attracts other investors into Nigeria and that other, uh, other suppliers are able to feed into the project and it's able to drive um, a return on the, for the economy for us as well. So that would that would be my defining moment as well. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate um, you guys sharing so openly. Um, I'm moving on to our next question, and again at the end, everyone can have will have an open Q and A for anyone who has questions after you guys are have shared. So moving on to the next question is for Rhyme and Ify. Um, what is a special or independent project that you're working on that you could possibly share with us today? Anyone can start. Um, can you, you know, the question? whoever wants to go first is fine. What what is a what? Can you repeat the question? Can you repeat the question, please? What is what is a special or independent project that you um, are working on currently that you could um, share with us today? Something aside from your your in something away from your career field that you might be working on right now. Okay, I can go ahead uh, with a quick one. Uh, since four years now, I am a member of the Société Gabonaise de Neonatologie. So it was before joining Johnson & Johnson. I was saying that I'm a member of the Société Gabonaise de Neonatologie since four years. And the aim of this medical society is to reduce the mortality of premature babies according to uh, the SDG goals. And, um, in Gabon, the mortality of uh, premature babies is 20 per thousand, which uh, and the rate we want to uh, to achieve is 10, uh, 10 to 
1,000. So this society has a role to promote the education of parents, of midwives and, doc and doctors also on the follow-up of uh, premature babies. Why am I joined this, uh, this association of uh, doctors before even working for GNG is was because, as I said earlier, saving lives is important and I'm a mother of uh, premature babies. I've, I have uh, three kids and the three of them were premature babies, the first one and then the twins. So this is a really important topic for me. Okay, okay. So um, thank you so much uh, for that. Um, for me, it will be twofold. Um, growing up, um, my father was very impactful. Okay, um, we grew up from the um, I'm from the Igbo tribe, and uh, within the time I was growing up, I know that it was very difficult um, to have fathers train their girl child. And my father was an icon who stood out to train all his girls, every one of them. Okay, and I do remember growing up and um, some distant cousins and friends that I have because we had this tradition in Igbo that you know during Christmas all of us go go home, okay, to the village to relate with our relations, and I see a lot of distant relations and friends, and they are not going to school. They won't go to school because um, it's either their father doesn't want to train them or the ones that uh, want to go to school or uh, their parents can train them don't have enough money. So it actually made a lot of impact for me, you know, growing up. And immediately I was able to, you know, finish school and have a very good job. I started a pet project. I work with uh, what they call ordinary angels. So with the ordinary angels, I make it a point of duty to train or pay school fees for girl child who are not able to go to school or who are their parents are not able to train them. And, I, and it's very personal. It's not uh, it's not um, attached to any uh, any level of cooperation or any level of um, partnership with anyone. It's just me, myself, and I just reaching out to that one girl who wants to go to school and who does not have enough funds to go to school. And um, I can say that with so much gratitude and gratefulness to God that I have at least ten graduates, graduate girls from the time I started to those states. And I also have a passion for reading and writing, and I write a lot. I guess Margaret has uh, mentioned that. I write um, on true life stories, I, I write on inspirational stories, I write on motivational stories, and I speak to people. I just want to create that level of difference, no matter how little. I believe that this world, if one of us can reach one of us and reach one of us, we should be able to make an impact to each and every one of us, either way. So. That those are the things I do in my spare time. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Um, I want to move on to our last question that I have before the Q and A. And I'm sorry, Rhyme. Um, I don't think you were able to hear the question that I posed, but I would like for you to answer this question. What are some take-home lessons that you can share with the next generation of aspiring executives? Um, well, I will, uh, I will tell them network as much as you can. Don't be on your side with your idea. I think networking is very important and it helped me a lot in my life. And I will always um, also say always learn because of the digital world and the globalization. Um, it, it's things are moving so quickly. So learn. I remember, um, you know, I remember sitting with, um, with my team uh, newly hired on digital management and the digital community. And I just didn't get it. And I felt that they were, that, you know, that they could outsmart me. And I, I don't like being outsmart, quite frankly. And so I just woke up one day at five in the morning, registered on Google, uh, you know, digital training classes online, they're free. And I had my 40 hours uh, certificate in four days. At the next meeting, they were talking and I was able to outsmart them on SEO, SEA, 
uh, you know, how to run a campaign. We should do this. We should not do that. And I was so proud of me because I'm this old mama. But you know what? <laughs> you're, you're not going to say you're, you're I'm going to talk your language. So this is my big, 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 uh, my big recommendation for the young people. Please network, be open to other people, uh, do extra curricular activities and, 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 and really believe on what you're doing. Do it from the heart. And if you're in a consulting advice to the best your client, if you're in a big corporation, wake up and do the best you can, because if you don't do it, then if it's, you know, if it's um, mitigated at the end of the day, it's not going to pay off. Voila. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that uh, we might have a little bit more time for someone else who wanted to give some feedback to aspiring executives. If anyone else wanted to share on that, I think we have a few minutes to hear just one more person answer that question. Okay, um, I'd like to take that and uh, start by saying that um, my advice to the young girl is whatever you want to be, you can be. And you have to keep at it. You have to remain focused, believe it's doable. But more importantly, what has helped me in the course of my career has been having good people and good support around me. Um, many times you come to a crossroad. You really don't know the next step to take. You uh, hit a roadblock or there are um, challenges along the line. At such times, you need um, seasoned people, sincere people, supportive people, and people who can give you guidance. And that is so, so important. And that's the role of mentorship. I think we all do need a mentor at one time or the other in our lives. And that's the reason why I'm very passionate about helping the girl child, um, supporting them to achieve their dreams, and getting them to understand that you can actually swim through uncharted waters. It's happened before, it can happen again, and there are no barriers. And barriers only exist in the mind. Whatever you want to do, once you are determined and focused, you're able to do it. Yes, you need a bit of courage, um, a large dose of courage. And sometimes you need to be bold, very bold. You need to be absolutely resolute. And wisdom is very essential. But, um, and I say sometimes you need to be bullish. You need to have a bullish man within you. So there are few attributes that are required, um, but more importantly, um, focus and determination and a lot of hard work. It's a lot more difficult for the girl child here. And that's why um, we, the older ones, seek to help the young ones by sponsoring them, especially those who we feel um, are not privileged. There are too many brilliant young girls around who deserve a chance in life. And with mentorship, with sponsorship and having good role models, they can be what they want to be in life. So those are the few words I have. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think at this time, we'll start preparing for the Q&A. And um, I just, uh, I guess um, we could have one more person. We have a few more minutes. Um, does anyone want to share as well to that? Because right now, you guys being veterans of business, especially for um, possibly some young women who are watching. I know for me, I feel like a kid in a candy store with getting this feedback from you guys as a young woman myself starting in Lagos, Nigeria. And um, does anyone else have any tips that they would like to share about, you know, what, what we should be looking for? You know, or, you know, as we're aspiring to one day be like, you know, someone here on this panel. Okay, um, I'd like to add uh, to what uh, the last lady has said. Um, it's important to keep the focus. Choose your core. What is your expectation of yourself as a young executive growing? Okay, and, and working to climb the ladder. What is your expectation of yourself? What is the expectation of the organization from you? What are the key values that you have that can bring you to those level of expectations and 
help you leverage your call. Keep your focus on those things. Every other thing is distraction. Once you choose your call, map your call, focus on it, hard work, integrity, ethical, you know, every other thing that does not bring value to your call and your expectation is distraction. So do not chase distraction, chase your call. Thank you. So uh, I would like to chime in. Um... So at least, um, yeah, before we, we, we end this. Um, but, you know, one of the things I say is, and, I, and it could be controversial, I, I, I don't think woman, I think human. And, and it's, for me, a critical aspect uh, because then you tend not to be comparative but competitive. So I do not compare myself. I say, okay, because, you know, I, you know, the man is, here or this, I, I see myself as, I see other people as they are individuals and humans. And my, my task is how do I get better every day? How do I get better? Not how do I get up and get better than the man who is here or the woman, you know, how do I get better? And, 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 and when you have that focus on how do I do things differently? How do I, you know, you're really self-driven and you're, you're, you're your own worst critic then you, you're able to, um, you know, go miles ahead. I, I, I recall, uh, you know, once upon a time when I, I, I worked with a Japanese company and then we went for this trip for um, a, a training program with other public affairs uh, people in different parts of the world. I was the only, um, you know, dark-skinned person and I was completely oblivious of it, you know, at the train station where chatting and at, at that time it was i don't know about now but very uh, when when you, it was few and far between to see a dark-skinned person in japan who is not an african-american and you know in the military or something so uh, and then i was just going on and on and then one of my colleagues said don't you feel unusual i said unusual about what she said you know that you are black i said i didn't even notice so the point is be completely oblivious of what other people um, think that could pull you down and be very focused, like if he said, but be very competitive first within yourself. And then, you know, don't see people, you know, in terms of the sexes or what you think they are able to do, but what you are able to aspire to be. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, again, um, I have another question for you guys. As I'm listening to the panelists speak and I can hear how um, you guys have a very dominant tone to the way that you speak. You guys are authoritative and confident women. And again, I have a question as through my own personal experience of trying to grow my business, um, you know, just trying to navigate being taken seriously when you're first stepping in and um, you know, what would be the feedback? And I just address all the panelists. Um, when you're first started and you're, you know, having to compete with other people or just, you know, letting people know that you are qualified in from your previous experiences, how would you encourage not only like what uh, Margaret said, not only just women, but just, you know, young adults who are trying to be taken seriously in the business world? and you have a bad day where maybe you um, you interacted with someone and they made you feel like what you presented to them was not something worthwhile, even if it was something that you had been working on for a long time. How, from, you, from, your, from your experiences, like how did you deal with that in business? And anyone can answer that question if you've had an experience like that. Um, maybe, maybe I'll just uh, build on what everyone has said, because I, if I combine all the advice from my wonderful panelists, then that's really what you have to do is you have to know what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to do. You have to learn. You have to make sure that you're competitively positioned. That means you understand in detail about your market and what you're offering. And then you also have to work hard. I think Margaret said that um, you have to be ready to give back. I think Ifia and um, and 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 Fumi have spoken about giving back. All those things make you a convincing potential. What normally holds us back is 
is nothing but ourselves. I think it's fear that holds a lot of women back, thinking, oh my God, someone else has done this. How can I do it? it that's really what you have to overcome is the self-doubt. And there's nothing wrong with failing. Many of us here are speaking about, yes, we've done this and that, but we've also done many things we didn't do well, um, do well in, but that's where we even learned the most. I tell you, I learned the most from my hardest experiences. And you look back and say, wow, that was an, that was easy to do, but it wasn't. So I can only say, um, kill that voice that tells you you can't do it and, um, and speak up and don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes. Um, if I can add to what um, Onyeche has said, I would um, say that the starting point should be to understand yourself and understand the business. And you need to also understand what you bring to the table and you need to be able to articulate what you bring to the table, even in business. In addition to that, you need to understand the competitive landscape and then understand what's gaps are there and how you can pitch using those gaps so a clear understanding of the landscape would help and of course um there's, there's the element of fear um and self-doubt i think the greatest enemy we, we women have is self-doubt and fear can i do it um, but there are other people there but they've done it before um others can be better than i am so these are um issues that we need to deal with. Deal with yourself, understand yourself, understand the um, market you're going into, the space you're going into, um, understand the gaps that exist, and try and understand the current players there. And then what do you bring to the table that is unique and different? It will take time. Um, you will fail. And I tell people that you have to be resolute in your mind and understand that I will fall, the righteous man will fall, so the Bible says, but then he will stand up. You fall seven times and rise again. So it's not about falling, it's about failing forward and learning, pick, um, picking learnings from the failures and allowing that to reshape um, differently how we do things. Okay, thank you everyone for sharing. I really appreciate being a part of this panel. Um, you guys have shared so much and you guys are so inspiring I mean, to me personally. And um, you guys give me the confidence to just keep pushing forward to where I could possibly end up one day. So um, I'm going to take everyone's advice, be strong, be confident, know what I have to offer. These are all uh, notes that I've taken, uh, understanding what you have to offer in whatever market you're in. And um, making sure you're educating yourself as much as possible through training and different things, just keeping yourself abreast of all of the, I guess, the current things that are going on in your industry so that when you are presented the opportunity, you, you're prepared for it. Um, these, are, these are things that I've taken from what you guys are sharing. And um, I know that we're wrapping up. That was just, I, I have one more question, but I know we have to wrap up. But I just want to say again, thank you so much, guys, for being here today and just being an inspiration to um, not just young business people, but as a young woman to see women that look like me doing this, it really is. It really is. Um, it, it motivates me to keep going. So thank you so much. And um, thank you, um, Miss. I was going to say Mrs. O'Leary. Thank you, Margaret, for having me here to moderate. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you to all you ladies. Wow, these were really great insights on the success stories of these leaders who just happen to be women. And this is just fantastic to know how they reached the top of their game, despite all the challenges they, they just shared as well. And you know, what comes very intriguing, you know, into this conversation is the way they shared how their fathers you know, supported um, them in the course of, you know, um, achieving their goals, uh, encouraging them in their career path. And, you know, this is perhaps another angle we may want to explore, perhaps bringing uh, one of them and their father and, you know, really see what really happened and how this, um, how this support enabled them to actually get to the top as well.
Wow, sadly, we have come to the end of this show. But we would like you to follow us on the Business Exchange, on SoundCloud, the Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and on social media. You please follow us on at ABCTans underscore uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and American Business Council Nigeria on LinkedIn. Please make sure you also join the conversation and use the hashtag the ABC Business Exchange How Business Works. We'll see you same time on the 12th of April and thank you for listening.